from here on out, every foul is flagrant, boy. Let's go. You are now tuned into the chat room, your favorite baller's favorite podcast. Welcome back to the chat room podcast. This is episode five of season three. I am the senator and with me today, I got Dwayne. What's going on? We're going to say coach, but there's another coach that has more power over him. In the game, so, uh, uh, coach. What's going on, y'all? What's going on? We also got Jermaine. What's good, man? What's good? And I kind of alluded to it just a while ago, but I'm going to actually introduce this gentleman right now. We got Coach Ken. And you, if you don't know who he is, make sure to go check out Last Chance You. Because you will definitely see him on there. Coach Ken, how are you doing today? Man, I'm blessed, man. Good to be here, man. Pleasure. Pleasure. It's my pleasure, man. I'm glad y'all invited me. We appreciate having you appreciate on. It. We yeah, appreciate, appreciate having it. you on. Sure. So normally what we do is we usually do a quick check-in with everybody. So I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna say let's keep this as a short answer. But it was just announced. The verses, the next verses. It's Fat Joe versus Ja Rule. Who you got? I got Ja Rule. And I, I think I want to take Fat Joe too because he's going to be able to go to his features and he got hits. <laughs> yeah, he, he got hits. He got hits. I think I think I'd probably go with Ja Rule just because he has more in the features, I think. His, his his feature bag might be a little bit more deeper, but it's tough. Fadjo got hits, man. It's tough. It's tough. Be a good one. Dwayne, who you got? No, I got Ja Rule. <laughs> Short and sweet. I'm going to be honest. I got Fat Joe because I look at the stuff that Fat Joe has produced, uh, his features, oh, yeah, yeah. His, his actual hits himself. That career is long too, because he can go the uh-huh. he can go the big pun, he can go like there's a what if question what if uh, Jaw goes to the original Murder Inc. See mm. the thing the thing is I me as a hip hop fan I'd appreciate it, but those but there's a lot of people that tune in that are just casual fans that have no idea about who the original Murder oh, Inc. is. So. True. So if you pull out uh murder that murder ink stuff against a big pun fat Joe track that's well more known, the big pun yeah, fat yeah. Joe track is gonna get is gonna get the more love just because people yeah, don't even yeah. know about it, right? It's too underground. Mm-hmm. But, nah, that's true, that's true. But nah, that's the true. day of when this drops. <laughs> That will be the verses. So we definitely will go into more detail on the next episode. 
We just wanted to give our predictions because this episode drops the same day that this versus happened. So this is our prediction. Mm-hmm. We got a couple of jaw rules. We also got a couple of fat Joes. It's going to be interesting to see how, how the mm-hmm. conversation goes after yep. that. And we got the, uh, like, jaw rule is the original certified lover boy, right? So certified yeah. lover boy coming up for more, right? So it'd be dope. It'd be dope. It's going to hmm. be mad interesting. So, Coach, you want to take it away? Yeah, man. All right. So, um, Coach Ken, man, we definitely appreciate you kind of jumping on here and kind of talking to us, kind of telling us your story or stuff. But, like, I want to kind of start off, like, with, with, your, with your journey. Like, we know that kind of you went to uh, power, Powerhouse, like, Detroit, um, like, in, in uh, high school. Right. Um, tell me, like, when did you start playing ball, man? And, like, when did that kind of love and everything start for you? And I was basically going with a ball in my hand, whether it was a basketball, football, or baseball. Um, I had a father who was a football player, um, granddad who was a baseball player. And then I grew up on a street that's known for producing NBA guys. So um, I had them all in my hand at an early age. Um, got some good coaching and good teaching from some really good dudes that's really respected. Um, all across the world in the business. Um, it started with Perry Watson and, and Herman Yancey and um, Anderson Hunt, which played at UNLV and always treated me like a you know little brother, first cousin. And so, um, you know, with that, man, I was just exposed to a lot of good things. Um, it was one of the things that kept me out the streets a lot, um, even though I still have one foot in the street, one foot in, on a, in a court. Um, you know, because when I went through high school, um, my father got on crack in the ninth grade and, you know, I kind of lost myself and started doing some street things and, um, you know, stuff I wasn't proud of, but stuff I felt like I had to do to survive, um, Mm -hmm. my situation, you know, like a lot of Detroit kids. And it's funny because I was hearing, um, we got, we got four Detroit players here this year, um, that was born and raised in Detroit, um. And just hearing one of their uncle's story, who's he's the guardian of one of them. And all our stories are so similar because we had to overcome that crack era. You know, yeah. and a lot of our parents just, you know, they got hooked, bro. Um, fortunately, my dad got off, but he didn't get off until my end of my 12th grade year. You know, so I had a rocky beginning to start the high school process. Um, I came in and rated as, you know, top eighth grader. Um, and then going to a powerhouse like Southwestern, uh, where Perry Watson was supposed to be there. I was actually his last recruit. And um, he let me know that he was moving on with Jalen to Michigan. Um, but we still had a great group that I grew up with that I knew. Um, and that was, you know, the local school anyway. So it, it, it kind of worked out for me. But. You know, um, you know, that was kind of my path into basketball, um, you know. And then as you're going along the way, you always meet, like, great basketball minds or pros or NBA guys who played in the NBA. And they see a talent, then they come back and help you some. Um, Archie Clark was one of those guys for me. And, you know, he's a multi- multiple NBA all-star. Um, he – he, he says he's the first one created the shake and bake crossover. <laughs> um, but you see it in this play. Like, if you go watch, like, the 68 All-Star game, 
like he 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 may have been, you know. Um, <laughs> but you know, a lot of a lot of big time basketball players always claim a move first, and then you know, kind yeah. of now you got to really research it and follow the history. Um, but he definitely was. If he wasn't the first, he was definitely one of the first. But there's always guys like that that reach back, and then just having so many guys from the neighborhood. Um, that made it and, and able to come back every year and spend time with me and um, just walk me through things, teach me through things, um, you know, showing me the developmental side of things. Um, and that's why I fell in love with the game so early and so quick. Um, it was it was our only outlet, our only release from the streets, to be honest. And, you know, we were overall good kids. We wanted to do the right things. You know, you'll find that in a lot of kids that grew up in my type of situation. We naturally want to do the right thing, but sometimes because we can't, maybe can't eat that night, maybe can't have a place to sleep because we didn't got kicked out places. Like you go to the, you turn to the street, you know, because you see your people making money so easy and boom, you all of a sudden you in it, you know, you kind of, Became a product of your environment. And that's kind of what happened with me a little bit. Um, but then as I began to get more successful and successful, I started to leave some of that stuff alone and started to dedicate my time to the three sports and um, just became a D1 athlete in all three of them, you know. And so I was fortunate. I get that testimony to the coaches who coached me. Um, I'm actually taking my middle son through that now. I let him. I called all my old coaches and let him talk to all the ones that are still alive. And they were just telling them the type of athlete I was, the type of person I was. Um, the only year I really messed up was my ninth grade year. I had like a hundred and something absences because I just simply wasn't going. Um, and then when my 10th grade year came, I was ineligible, you know, not knowing that I had to complete the 2.0 and, you know, all this stuff to play in the 10th grade. So when I got to 10th grade, um, here I am, this big-time athlete, supposed to be on varsity and everything. And then the the dude who does the academic stuff came in, and as we get the team together for varsity, he says, hey, man, hey, that dude ineligible. Like, he, he, he had a point – I had a point eight, I think it was. Wow. And uh, like, man, he wasn't going to class at all. And I wasn't because I was hanging with all the older guys, chasing women, chasing girls. You know, I had all the 12th grade women and all that stuff, man. I just simply wasn't going to school. I, was, I, was, I had lunch six hours and basketball seven hours. Them are the only two classes I went to all night. <laughs> <laughs> so people like, where you at that? At some girl house, always. <laughs> at my boy's house in the basement with a chick. You know, it was just, that's what it was, man. And that's what, you know. And um, so I had to figure it out, man, and get around the right people and stop hanging, even though that bad influence came from some of my teammates at the time. I had to figure it out and do better. And so from that point on, I was a 3.8 student and really locked in and and started to figure it out. And um, God God started to bless me some and put the right people in my life, man. And, um, you know, I got my act together. That's dope. That's dope. That's really dope. So kind of like going from that, like going from being a highly like a highly rated high school player at a powerhouse high school, kind of what what got you from that level to now transitioning to go into coaching? Like 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 what kind of got you in that path? So 
so my story is weird, man, and that's where it get a little weird. Um, I get into it with the head coach who was the assistant at the time I was being recruited. Um, I had 16 stitches in my head. Somebody tried to chase me down on the breakaway, and they jumped, and teeth got caught in the back of my head. So um, going into my junior year, we always had this big four-way scrimmage um, with the other top three teams in the whole state. So at the time, it was Murray Wright, which tractor trailer was at. Um, it was um, the school that Maurice Taylor was at, which played for the Clippers. And it was Clarksville, which they had um, Dane Fife and Dugan Fife, them dude. Uh, one played at Michigan, one played at Indiana. Um, so um, we, we're going in this four-way scrimmage, and he's, we got like – it's like 70 D1 scouts there. And so this is the beginning of my junior year, but it's the off season. Um, and like I said, I got these stitches in my head. My head coach is telling me, man, I, I, will, I will not play you. I will sit you because we don't need you right now. We need you for the season. And I'm like, no, bro, don't sit me for this. For this. Like the doctor cleared me to play. He said, I'm good. You know, he put, he's like, no, we don't, we just going to take our time with you, bring you back slow. You know, so I'm immature, bro. I, I don't like I'm tripping because one thing I've seen him mess over a couple guys career because he had a son that played the same position as me and some other guys too. you know, was all we were all fighting and we all were D1 guys. But, you know, you fight for the minutes and the time and the start and everything, you know, and I'm just like, man, I'm telling myself I'm not about to let him jack my career. Like I didn't come here for him to jack my career. You know, I'm like, this is my most important year um, as a player. You know, that 11th grade year is everything. So um, we kind of get into it on the bench. And, you know, it's probably some of the stress of me dealing with uh, an unstable home situation, too, um, where I was so quick to be triggered. And, um, you know, so I told him, like, dude, if you put anybody in, before me off the bench, we're going to have a problem. I'm, and he say, you know, what you mean? I said, man, I want to transfer. If you put any of them other dudes in before me, I'm already coming off the bench and I'm pissed off. I'm like, don't put nobody else in. I should be the first one in. Oh, we, I got you. Game start. We playing Murray Wright. Track the trailer going nuts. They had a guard named Ed Nobel, um, who also was a big time B1 guy. Um, and he was going nuts. And I'm pissed off because – I play these dudes all the time. And, um, you know, I, I play these guys all the time. And, you know, they never do some of the things they're doing. You know, hold on one. So, um, my wife keep calling. She probably is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, so we going through that. And um, these guys are killing us. Like, Man, I kill these dudes all the time. Like I'm, I'm telling my head coach that. Like we letting these dudes, and we in our house too. So I'm really pissed. I'm like, bro, like play me. Like I'm good to go. And mm-hmm. uh, he subbed somebody else. I walked off the court. I walked off the bench to the locker room. Went to go change my stuff. All assistants come out to come grab me. Like, hey, don't do this. Don't do. This. They call me Fat Man, which is my nickname. Fat man, don't do this, man. Like, you're going to regret this. I'm like, no, I'm not going to regret it because, first off, I didn't come to this school to play for him. Second off, like, this is disrespectful to me. Like, I work too hard. 
I worked a lot of these dudes. I'm like, I'm out of here, man. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. So, he, you know, they like, you know, they trying to stop me. And I, I just want to have him. And I was in such a bad space at the time because um, so much other stuff had went on in my life. Um, and I just was like, I had enough. I was already catching two, three buses because I had moved in with my grandma. And I was just like, man, it's enough of this, you know. And so I left. I left. I transferred. Um, when everybody found out that I was leaving, like I got calls from all the top Detroit coaches trying to get me to come. Um, but, you know, I visited Persia, uh, which was the other top powerhouse school in the state. Um, visited Rudge and visited E-Course, which was right around the corner from my grandma's house. Um, the thing that sealed me was I knew a lot of the guys um, that was at E-Course at the time. We grew up together because I, I was always at my grandma's house when I was younger. And um, that made it a little bit easier for me, you know, to transfer. I got, I got along with those guys fine. Um, and that's how I got the e-course. And then, um, you know, I, I did great there, um, you know, put up a lot of numbers and points. And, you know, we had some success and, um, you know, earned me some scholarships and, and, and all three still um, even was, you know, had some opportunities in baseball to play professionally. And, um, you know, once again, hanging with the wrong crew, I signed a half and half with the University of Indiana. And um, hanging with the wrong people, boom, get popped in trouble again. So catch a huge case. Um, my dad had a friend in the Army that was a big-time general, uh, was able to get me out that trouble, but I had to go do two years in the Army. And so I do my two years in the Army, get all my records back. Um, and then as I got out the Army, um, I was looking, you know, I was trying to decide whether I wanted to go play minor league baseball or go back um, to school, um, college, and, and try the college route. Um, so at the time, um, Jerome Henderson, which coached me my senior year, um, he's a big-time NBA guy. He was an NBA agent at the time. And, um, you know, he's played for the Bucks, the Pistons, the Lakers, um, big 6'11 guy, uh, really, really well-respected. So he called me like, man, you know, what you want to do? You want to go get some money or you want to um, go to school? You know, you want to do the basketball thing or the baseball thing? I'm like, I'm like, Romy, man, I still want to play, bro. I love the game. I still want to play basketball. He said, I'm going to give you a month to get yourself together. I'm going to fly you out here. We're going to go visit USC and some other places. And, um, you know, because I had them in my, like, top five when I came out. And um, I was, he was real close to Bibby. I had developed a relationship with Bibby. Um, so I fly out. Um, I go check out USC and everything and coach Bibby and his practice and everything and worked out for him. And he was like, well, Ken, you got a couple of options. You know, you can come here, red shirt, you know, and, and get ready for next year. Or he said, I got some friends down the street that you can go play for us at junior college. Um, you know, he, he runs staying the right way. He gets you right. And Jerome know him too, you know? So I said, I go check it out. Go down there. It's called LA Trade Tech. It's, it's literally a five minute walk from USC. So I go up there. I go work out with the team and I'm loving everybody. Like they, it's, it's a lot of really good players in the gym. And I'm just like, you know, I can see myself doing that. So I told Coach Vivi, yeah, I can do this for sure. You know, and so that's how I got out here to California um, initially as a player. 
Um, and I was doing real well. We got we got down to the end of the season. We got the best record in the school's history to start. Um, and then I'm wrestling with my one my roommate, which was a Detroit kid that I also brought out here with me, a six ten kid. And we just simply came down. I picked him up, went to slam him on the bed. He kind of held on to my neck, and I fractured my C5 vertebrae in three places and bruised my spinal cord, which paralyzed me instantly. And um, from that point on, you know, Netflix carried the rest. Um, you know, I went back to Detroit for about a year and a half, just into all street shit, man, doing, doing the wrong stuff. And um, Coach Wells just happened to pop up on me. He called me like, I'm in town, man. I want to come <laughs> visit you, talk to you. And uh, he saw what I was around and the people I was around. And he was just like, man, you got to do better than that. You know, he like, man, won't you come back? You know, come coach with me. Come finish school. You know, I'm here for whatever you need. I'll take care of it. Don't even worry about it. I just need you out this environment doing this. You're like, this ain't right. You got too much talent. Too many guys followed you. You know, like, you would be a good leader. You'll be a good coach. Come come trust me. Trust me. Like, I want you to do the right thing. And I trusted them, man. And it was the best decision I ever made in my life. That's cool. That's a, it's a real that's dope a story. Crazy, crazy story right there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, crazy. Jermaine. Man. Well, of course, can I um sad but very inspiring at the same time, right? And I'm happy that wow. you, you're pushing for the youth because down here we need the same thing, right? Right. Um, my question to you is uh, those first few years of being involved with building the program, uh, what were they like? It was – it was tough, bro. Like, so I came um, to California my first year. And um, first off, I lived almost an hour and a half away from the school with, with the traffic you deal with in L.A. So I was coming coming back and forth um, with my wife. And I had a, a, a two-year-old son and a, and a, and a four-year-old daughter at the time. You know, so... Um, it was just a lot to deal with, um, you know, me, me um, not knowing most of the team when I got there, but I brought like three players with me from Detroit and one of them was one of the top players in the country. So that helped me gain some respect um, initially. But then as they found out who I was um, and what I've accomplished as a player, um, that gained the respect of the players. But then I kind of got through into the fire because they were losing program when I came into the coach and it was coming off a three and three and 27 season. So you had a lot of them kids still there that was trying to learn how to play. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it was hard to gain a trust, but they saw the best play. So the three guys I bought was the best players on the team by far. And so they saw how they trusted me and saw all the extra work I put in with them. And so they began to want to get better. And so they said, okay, they he doing this work with them and they they some of the better kids. Let's figure out what this work is about. And as they start trusting me with the work, they start trusting me as a person and then start opening up and I start spending more time with those guys. And they opened up a lot. And um, even with that, the head coach at the time, you know, the, my mentor, Coach Wells, who brought me in, um, he gave me a lot of leeway with those guys, you know, and then we played, we finally played in the summer league and we was kicking a lot of butt, 
you know, and they <laughs> and they begin to trust me. But in the regular season, the thing that really happened initially was I couldn't recruit local kids um, because my mentor didn't have the best relationship with a lot of the high school coaches already because at that point he had already messed over some kids and they eyes and they didn't want to deal with him. Um, and it's not because he wasn't a good coach. It's just, he had a different method of teaching things. He more, he was more concerned about you as a person than you as a basketball player. And a lot of basketball players didn't get that part, you know? And so that's where I bridged the gap at because I understood both sides and that's what made us a perfect combination together, you know? And so, um, we had a lot of success um, early off, but a lot of parents didn't understand because a lot of kids who started the year before didn't start the year I came into, you know? And so that pissed a lot of mothers off. Um, I would hear mothers in the stands like, why he got somebody in the wheelchair on the bench? I- I'll never forget my first game here, you know? And then we plan some ranked team our first game and we come back and we win. And um, her son learned a lot of valuable lessons that game, but we kept sticking with him and going back to him and, uh, you know, getting him to understand some of his mistakes. And then after she saw how we were interacting, especially me interacting with all the players, she came back and apologized to me, you know, and then from that point on, I gained the respect of a lot of people from that because people would come in watch us play and they would just be amazed at this guy in a wheelchair instructing kids on how to play, how to, you know, how to learn this, how to learn that. Um, and I just got it, you know, and, and um, it's been great ever since, man. Ever since, I just pride myself on outworking other coaches and, and really putting my all to it, staying, coming early, staying late, um, being a good recruiter, which I learned from Perry Watson. I'm at a young age and, and um, Jerome Henderson too. I learned how to treat people, you know, even the, the ones that people so-called bad people that ain't good kids, supposed to be riding kids. Well, at that point, some of that was me. So I understood that if you really learned the kid and really got to the root of the problem, you can fix the kid because it ain't basketball. A lot of the times that's the root of the problem. A lot of the times it's something in a home it's something in their personal life that's going on. And a lot of coaches don't take the time to get to know them and, and figure them out so they can start fixing the root of the problem. And um, unfortunately, a lot of kids, especially at this level, don't have a, a, a male influence that they listen to. You know, most of the males they know, um, they come from single family homes. They've seen their mama getting abused by males, so they don't trust males. You know, yeah. so it take a while for you to gain that trust and you gain that trust by spending that valuable time with them. Um, and sometimes the valuable time start off in the gym, but a lot of times it's what you do after the gym. It's taking a kid, having lunch with him, taking a kid to a baseball game. He's never been to a baseball game in his life. Taking a kid to his first football game. He's never been to a first a football game in his life. Taking a kid to a professional NBA game. He's never been in his life. And you'll be surprised at how much that change a kid's outset and outlook on life, just doing the bare little human kindness things, you know? And um, so that's how they opened up and that's how they got to trust me. And then uh, my work ethic in itself, just working with guys, 
living in the gym those those first years of my career. And I still do that to this day. Like, you know, today I come, I come an hour, always come an hour before, work with whoever want to work. Um, and then I stay an hour or two after most times, you know, and all our coaching staff is like that, man. And that's why we run such a good program. You know, we really love the kids, we're really dedicated to the kids. Um, we had two fathers here today. Uh, a guardian and an auntie and they were floored with the amount of detail that we put into this the amount of time and, and how we how we break things down so the kids are able to learn um and able to be in a positive environment at the same time while they learn it um because at the juco level man a lot of coaches it's crazy they really don't care about you as a person when yeah. the basketball stopped they stopped mentoring and wow. coaching and you on your own, you know, it's dog eat dog world. Um, and we, we the totally opposite, man. We really care for people. We really love kids. We really care for kids. And we spend a lot of time helping groom them, groom them um, both on and off the court. Like literally before y'all just called, I was just sitting here with that kid you was talking about. And man, when y'all hear this kid's story, what he just been through. And I'm like, bro, God put you here for a reason. You know, and, you know, it's funny how a lot of this stuff comes full circle. Like, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And I can't speak too much on it because a lot of it's going to be, you know, on mm -hmm. the next season. But, oh, yeah. man, when I hear this kid's story, man, y'all just going to be, first off, you're going to be so pissed off at the guys that handled them and was helping them. And then second, he's going to be one of them dudes. Like, he, his story is crazy amazing bro but you know like i said i'm a firm believer in god put you on a path for a reason and he brings people in your life for reasons man and um you know hopefully we able to say this kid man and turn get him getting right because on the court he definitely a pro like it's just like mm. wow i can't believe people did this kid that way you know mm. and uh, mm. you know he just got to get some of the structural stuff which he's starting to get, you know, um, we got, we got um, the woman that's helping him out is helping him, you know, learn everything the right way as far as his education side and all that, um, which a lot of people just took advantage of this kid, man. And um, he was kind of pegged to be the next LeBron James, which is, is wow. crazy. Like when you Google him, that's all they say about him. And then to find out that he, he was homeless and people just, Helped him over and all type of stuff, bro. Like, it's amazing. Like, it, it really makes you want to cry hearing this story. But that's okay. He's going to have a great testimony, a great one, you know. And um, that's why we're here, man. That's why we. That's dope. Wow. Um, wow. Well, speaking of JUCO, uh, with all the turnover that happens at a JUCO level, uh, what has been important in ELAC winning five straight conference titles? Um, it's a it's a lot of everything, a lot of the stuff I just explained. But yeah. like you know, I, we we got an eye for talent. We got an eye for the type of people that we want. Um, especially now that everybody in the world know what we do, who we are. Yeah. So it's it's actually made it a little bit more easier because like. Anybody at damn there in the nation that got to go JUCO is calling now, you know. So, um, you know, we, we've done right by so many players in the past.
that like we literally can get the pick of the litter of who we want at this point, um, especially when they come in and see how we run things and everything that we got going. Just like, you know, tomorrow I got Taylor King coming in to speak to him, which, you know, he played at Duke and Villanova. And, yeah, um, his, he, he was doing some things he shouldn't have been able to do, but he's played all around the world, got paid. Um, he owns one of the biggest gyms here in Southern Cal, um, you know, and he got his life back together, you know. And so, like, we we love doing stuff like that for our kids to hear different testimonies, different paths, because everybody's path is different. You know, it's, it, it don't necessarily mean you got to go this way to make it because it's, it's multiple ways you can make it to where you need to go to. And um, unfortunately, man, at an early age, a lot of pressures put on a lot of these kids. Um, from the wrong people, um, always telling them it's D1 or bus or it's pro or bus, and that's not the truth, you know. And uh, we're we here to give some of the truth on what really goes on, and uh, we got a blueprint that works, and if you stick to it and, and you go about your business, um, you'll get everything you're looking for out of this. You know, so with the recruitment, man, I've always been one of the best recruiters in the country, um, and I don't like to toot my own horn, but it just is what it is. And, you know, and, um, you know, I don't let people outwork me, man. I'm always on the prowl. Um, I think one of the biggest things in this recruiting industry has always been accessible to people. Um, I've always been respected and respectable to people. Um, people knew me as a player, and now they know me as a coach, and they see how hard I grind. Um, and, like, ain't none of it fake. Like, I'm in gyms all the time. I'm in workouts all the time. I'm in the top workouts from pro level to the bottom level. I go see grassroots basketball. I go watch all the top high schoolers. I go watch some of the guys that ain't top high schoolers just so I can have that relationship with people. And, um, you know, I love, I love that. Like, I love being in gyms. I love, um, you know, having an eye for talent. Um, and everybody in the world, trust me, from pro, pro coaches, NBA coaches, you know, overseas coaches, I, I help at all levels. So, um, you know, it's, it's just something, a gift that God gave me. Um, he put the right people in my life for me to soak up a lot of the knowledge that I was going to need later, later on. And I know both the bad way and the good way to do things, you know, and I can tell you about the streets. I can tell you about that hardship and I can tell you about the easier path that God may have for you through sports, you know, and how you can make it through sports and academics. And so um, we preach a lot of that here. And that's why I'm able to get through to a Joe Hampton and make him see the bigger side of the picture when he couldn't see it for himself. That's why Mosley is able to get through to him because he lived in both sides of that walk before he got saved and um, started living for Christ. But, you know, it's such a good blend of three good worlds uh, from really three genuine good guys that really want to see people succeed. You know, we all shed our egos um, and, and to like, we all specialize in different things and we don't step yeah. on each other's toes. You know, we, if you speak, if you better than me in this, I let you do it. And if you better than me in that, they let me do it. And I'm better, you know, and it all comes together to end because mostly it's leading us. You know, but um, he's a he's a selfless guy. Like he don't he's not an ego coach. You know what I'm saying? He don't really he let us rock, you know, and we rock within the framework of which he set. And um, it all comes together. You know, it don't start off beautiful because you always like you said, the turnover is big. 
and you always got a new group, especially with this COVID. Um, we got it like this the first time that we really didn't have no returners. Like we got one, yeah, we got one guy that played on the team last year, and that's it. You know, um, we got two guys who redshirted and was around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's a whole fresh group, but it's a super talented group. You know, best group on paper that we ever had, but. You know, that paper stuff don't mean nothing. Don't mean nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell you, yeah, I, I don't mean nothing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I know that for sure. So, 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 uh, so I kind of want to just quickly ask you about the whole Last Chance You and the recording of the show and stuff like that. So, like, what has been some of what has been the best aspect and what has been the most difficult aspect of recording the show? The best aspect is just watching how they put it all together, um, how they edited certain things, um, and then watching it live for the first time definitely was because, so the last episode, um, if y'all noticed, I wasn't on the bus. I was already headed to the arena. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a, so when we travel on the road, I don't travel on the bus, man. You know, I normally traveling with uh, one of my kids um, or, or my wife, you know? <laughs> and so um, we were headed up North. We on the road, we had took off. Already. Um, and it's, it's a rainy day. It's raining as you saw. And mm-hmm. um, I got the phone call from Ozzy like, Hey man, they shut us down. Like literally we on the freeway. Like, and I'm like, what? Like, yeah, can they shut it down, bro? We ain't playing. Right. So to see them get the news for the first time, that was my first time seeing it, you know? So that, just like everybody, and he told me, like, Mosey told me, man, you're going to cry when you see the last two episodes. I'm like, man, I don't cry, bro. You know me better. (laughs) And literally, I'm watching it with my wife and kids. Everybody is crying but me. You know, like, I'm, but I'm, but I'm floored though. You know, I'm floored. Like, wow, that's what they went through. You know, I'm seeing the other side of it. You know, so, um, you know, that that by far um, was the highest point for me. And then, the bad that comes with it is just the fandom. You know, it's 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 a little scary going places and you know people screaming your name and call, you know you kind of be list celebrity. And, um, you know, even though the whole basketball arena always knew who I was, but it just get randoms that just like I, I go in a Nike store and all attention is on me. I went to Arizona in a Nike store. Everybody knew who I was. was just coming up to me. That's like, crazy. Man, you're the guy from the show, right? Chance you. I'm like, yeah. And then it just like it'd be it'd be crazy, bro. Yeah. But, um, you know, and then the other bad thing is like getting thousands of emails and, or or dms um from guys who want to play for us that you know you don't like i i literally try to answer every one of them but like it's so much it just get overwhelming at times yeah. and a lot of times like 90 percent of the guys who's reaching out um they're not good enough you know you like you're gonna get like a thousand five eleven guys like can I come play for you, coach? I would love to do boo And then you watch the film and you have, you know, I'm truthful. I'll be honest. Like, yeah. you know, I don't, you know, I'm watching your film. You're not better than the guys that we have here. And, uh, and then they don't understand in California that there's no scholarships here. So 
you know, if, you know, you look in, especially international kids, they always reaching out and like, folks, can you help me find a scholarship? Y'all got scholarships? And I'm like, no, bro. Like we, that's one reason we don't um, recruit international kids because it costs them 21,000 just to play here. And most of them don't come from the type of families that can afford that. So, um, you know, we don't even waste kids' time. But I do try to direct them into um, people that I know that kind of can handle them or looking for kids like that. And if they're good enough, um, I'll refer them to other coaches across the country um, Mm -hmm. or sometime in the state um, and kind of take it from there. You know, so um, that's kind of the curse that come with it. Um, but other than that, man, everything else is kind of a blessing. Um, you know, you get all these new sponsorships and um, people looking to help. So we, you know, we ran a um, some type of uh, fundraiser and we raised, you know, a lot of money where it goes towards the basketball program and helping these kids get some of the resources that they really need um, to yeah. be stable both on and off the court because people didn't realize um, how limited the resources are at this level. And um, that's why a lot of people be like blown away that we still at this level coaching because we all of us could have been at a higher level, you know, and been been took jobs um, that, you know, we could have just did so much more for ourselves. But because all of us are who we are and we really love kids and helping kids, man, I tell people all the time and I don't know if I'm ever going to leave this level like. Sometimes I just feel like God placed you in situations and it's meant for you to be there. And um, that's kind of what coaching did for me, man. Like it really um, replaced some of the competitive spirit I had as a player that I'm missing out on playing. And um, it replaced, I replaced that with the coaching stuff. So like, I love being here. I love getting up, helping kids figure themselves out both as basketball players and, and, and young men in general. Um, to learn how to become successful in life. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And, and it's a good thing that you're saying, like that with the notoriety that comes with the show, that you're able to really give back to the program, right? So that's a that's a really big thing. Right. That's definitely the biggest blessing of it all, for sure. Dwayne? Yeah, so Coach Ken, so we've seen and we've heard like just the the passion that you have as an assistant coach and all the accomplishments the accomplishments you've had up to this point. Right. But is being a head coach something that you can see for yourself on the horizon? You know what's crazy is like I've I've never really cared to be one. Um, I've applied for one job um, since being an assistant, and then um, I, I was one of the final three candidates to take the job, but then the, the the guy they thought they was going to fire took a pay cut to stay. And so ever since that happened, right, ever since that happened, I've never applied for another head coaching job or assistant. I've I've never had to apply for another job. Um, Even getting this job, it was like kind of handed to me. I I really didn't have to apply. I had to do all the paperwork. But um, because I am who I am, you know, it was like ready made for me. But I could have took a ton of different jobs, man. Um, I, could, I probably could be a head coach in a ton of different places. But, you know, when you help build something special, it's really hard for you to leave, you know, especially um, as good as it's been to my family. 
Um, and we blessed in so many other different ways, man. I just, you know, I just feel like it's just my calling to do what I do. You know, it's just, like, yeah, maybe one day I probably will be. And, and, um, and you know, who knows? You know, I always like, you know, it's, it's, been, it's always been God's timing with me. You know, I've been offered all type of other jobs and I've, I've turned them down. And, um, you know, it just because I, I didn't feel like the timing was right, the stability. It was always some type of issues going on um, where I didn't want to do it. Like my son starting high school or, you know, my daughter starting high school and then my wife didn't want to move. And it was always something different, you know. So we love Southern Cal. Um, you know, it's a great setup as far as resources for my kids, um, especially because my middle son is an athlete. My youngest son going to be an athlete. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it, it just works perfect for me. But um, I, I never say never. Um, you know, I get approached every offseason and I listen to different, <laughs> different opportunities, different coaches. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm fine with what I'm doing. Like, I'm content with it. I don't. I don't never have to be a head coach in my life, and I'll be happy. All right. I love, man. It's I love. Yeah. So we reached a part of the podcast where we get to promote our social medias, anything else that we might be working on. And Coach, we're gonna, Coach Ken, we'll start with you. Oh, man. Well, you know, y'all, y'all can follow the team. I, I run our Twitter, so you go to El- Elac B-Ball. Um, we kind of, you know, Try, try to keep it updated, um, post a lot of things um, that's going on with us as a team, um, you know. And then um, I'm on uh, I'm on Instagram, finally. They finally had talked me into doing it. <laughs> so I, was, I was dodging it for so long, I didn't want to deal with it. Man. But, you know, I finally let them all talk me into it. And so um, – I'm on there now. I'm, I'm just a Facebook dude because it's old school and yeah, I can yeah. normally hit everybody at once and <laughs> don't have to worry about nothing. But they got me on this Instagram stuff now. So I do a little bit of that. <laughs> I, you know, I try to keep it a little bit fresh and let y'all know a little bit what's going on with me. Um, but most of the time, man, I'm in this gym or in this weight room or, you know, or, or scouting somewhere and recruiting and, um, you know, just getting after it, man, preparing this new group. And, uh, you know, of course, we'll be back, um, you know, for hopefully y'all enjoy this next season. Oh, we can't wait. Sure, <laughs> sure, looking forward to it. Hey, yeah, man, we, we can't got, wait. We got this. Is, this is a really good group, man. It's a it's a it's a lot of heartfelt, real stories that y'all are going to enjoy about this group. Um and they're extremely talented. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's made for TV, man. You think there's some powerful stories with this group. It's definitely going to be made for TV. All right. Dope, dope, dope. We look forward to that. Uh, for sure. Jermaine, Jermaine. Yeah, personal trainer, um, school trainer. And my Instagram handle is uh, Mayor Creed, M-A-I-R-C-R-E-E-D. Dope. Uh, coach. Uh, my IG is real deal underscore Francis um, with all with like with COVID and everything kind of just wrapping up. So they say uh, we're, we're back in the gym. So that's exciting. Um, we're actually back in the gym officially Monday coming up. So that's, that's exciting. So trying to go for this uh, fifth, fifth championship in a row. So that's what we're buying for right now. Dope, dope, dope. Dwayne. Sir. 
You guys should just follow me on Instagram, Chaz underscore Tenenbaum. Not gonna say it. <laughs> no, I don't need to. Also, oh my god. Also, make sure to check. Make sure to check me out on Instagram and Twitter at the Senator. Don't forget to check out the Not So Soft podcast. Comes out every Friday. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and share the the chat room podcast <laughs> follow us on instagram at the dot chat room pod if you like this conversation if you have some takes that you think or if you think there's questions that we should have asked coach ken and we should bring him on another time when this when the season sh- is debuts and all that stuff email it to us at the chat room pod at gmail.com and before we exit out of here we just have to send a very huge thank you to oh. coach ken for taking the time and for if thank you, you listen to the story you, earlier yeah. if you listen to the story earlier you would have heard him said he was literally in the gym talking to <laughs> talking to somebody and then we had to we had to remind him like hey we got the pod to do so you gave us a lot more time than we thought we were gonna get sure, but sure. we don't want to hold you up any longer because we know your wife's been calling you so <laughs> So, but we do want to say th- uh, thank you very much for joining us on this episode. Appreciate uh, you, Coach. Appreciate you. Appreciate y'all, man. Hopefully we do it again in the near future. For sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Definitely. And this has been the Chat Room Podcast, your favorite baller's favorite podcast. And we are out. Peace. Peace. Peace.